And I think one of the things that became more and more apparent to me was that a lot of people think in the term of black and white, which I think is a really big risk to any organization. If you get people who are too dogmatic about a certain thing, it's not healthy. This is the Rebel HR Podcast, the podcast where we talk to human resources innovators about innovation in the world of HR. If you're a people leader or you're looking for a new way to think about how to help others be successful, this is the podcast for you. Rebel on, HR Rebels. All right. Rebel HR listeners, this is our 50th recording that we have done. We just went over one year anniversary of doing the podcast. So, And this is the first time that Patrick, Molly, and myself are sitting in the same room doing the podcast. So cheers to you, my wonderful co-host. Cheers. Well, mine's cheers. already open. You can't open up. Oh, they're already waiting. <laughs> Molly literally has three drinks in front of her right now. Must have had a rough day. I wanted to come prepared. <laughs> you know, if there's anything we learned this last year, you can't really prepare for what we have in front of us in HR. No, you can. Adapt and be nimble. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, one year later. So we started this thing when we were talking about COVID, not knowing if there was going to be a vaccine. Then we had a vaccine. Now we're talking about going back to the office or not. So, uh, yeah, wild times. Good times. Good times, for sure. And Kyle, you've done a lot for this podcast. So <laughs> kudos to you. You are the brains behind all of it. So this is really cheers to you. Well, thank you very much. For me, the, the best part of doing this podcast has just been meeting all the wonderful guests and getting to explore some of these topics that, you know, get so busy day to day. It's hard to remember like, oh, yeah, why are we here? We're here to help people. How do we do that? What are some things that are facing us in the future and how do we address it? You know, those kinds of, those things are fun for me to explore and, you know, the guests on this podcast really help me do that. So I appreciate both of you joining and helping support it. And it's been a good ride. It's been fun. I was wondering, you know, how are these going to go? Can't do the disrupt HR thing. Is it going to be like a lot of F-bombs? Is it going to be venting set? A lot of yeah. venting? Like, how is this going to go? But it's been like, it's been cool. It's been fun. It has been fun. I still remember that first one was super weird. You know, listening, like, first of all, listening to your own voice. Yep. And then second of all, thinking like, yeah, what are we going to talk about? You know, what do we have to say? But man, there's, there's a lot to say last year and it's been a lot of fun. There's always something to say. Can you guys imagine what this first HR conference is going to be like post-COVID? Oh, man. Yes. It's going to be a mess. <laughs> it's going to be a hot. It's going to be like. Sending COVID out, shirts off, send off type of thing. Like it's going to be <laughs> shirts off, awesome. send off. I might skip that one. What's that? What's that look like, Patrick, at an HR conference? Shirts off, send off. A lot of beer, a lot of wine. <laughs> Just you know, what happens here stays here. Yeah, I think there's going to be a lot of that. <laughs> Kudos to all the HR folks out there that have made it through this past year. And there's a lot of people that were um, able to kind of just sit back and ride it out, but not HR. We were right in the brunt of it, so. Cheers to everybody. You know, one thing that I wondered, I was talking about this with somebody recently, is all the clout, maybe it's you and I, Kyle, all the clout that HR has built over this last year. Are we going to, you know, still ride that? Or what companies are going to revert back from HR departments back in the corner, right? You know, it's just whatever you build up, don't lose it. Keep it going. Keep the momentum going. And show your face, raise your hand. Uh, you've already shown you can do it once. The majority have. Be interesting. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see if the evolution sticks. I think it will. I think it will in some organizations yeah. with the right HR. Yes, but I feel like there was already momentum and then COVID just propelled that like instantly forward. And I would agree. I think the right HR people, um, the ones that are definitely listening to the show, are they going to be the ones that will continue that? Mm -hmm. We're going to do some awesome things now that we're not just surviving, now that we can actually try to thrive it is gonna be interesting when we have to talk about the first hr conference this week i'm going to my first event there's to have a safety workshop in milwaukee and the rsvp list is bigger than any other year we usually have usually there's about 35 and i think we have like 60 or 70 coming and that's remarkable for a safety workshop for 
HR people. It's going to be really interesting to see how that goes. And it's not required? It's part of our captive program. We have a captive for our work comp experience. So there's about 24, 25 businesses. But the leaders are coming. The safety people are coming. Hell, the maintenance people are coming. Everybody's coming. It's going to be really interesting. So how crazy is a safety conference? They're about like HR conferences. Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> Sounds really fun. Yeah. Yeah. No, once 4.30 hits, uh, cocktail hour starts. And the ones I've gone to in the past that have been in the Dells, we wrap everything up by about 9, 10 o'clock after dinner. And I usually, you know, turn in. Everybody goes to the casino. And the next morning you come in, you can tell who went to the casino. Yeah. I'm interested to see how this goes. Oh, for yeah. sure. I've actually looked into joining a couple of captives okay. and the offsite meetings usually are held in really cool places. I'm yes. like, gosh, I should join just for this experience. <laughs> yeah, it's, they call it a, they, they, it has something to do with the money and domicile countries. And I don't understand the terminology. I know my leaders that are on the board can go to Bermuda or wherever. Yep. They've never asked me. Nice to go, but I get to go to Milwaukee. So that's all right. Milwaukee. That's about Bermuda. It's the Bermuda of Wisconsin. There's water. There is water. There's water and the water turns into beer and, you know, it's all good. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's, you know, this, this year's been one of those that I look back on and I think, you know, this year was a terrible year for a lot of people. And I think that, you know, we still aren't out of it. And there's still a... You know, there's still a lot of work that needs to be done and a lot of growth that needs to occur. And I hope that we can take away the learning that we've had this year, specific human resources, and, and continue that momentum forward. You know, Patrick, you and I were having this conversation that, you know, it's like they really needed HR at the beginning of the pandemic, right? Because, you know, we are the subject matter experts in all things weird and like, well, what do I do? Who do I call? Well, I guess call HR. They'll figure it out. And so that was what we were live for, right? But then once it became kind of normalized and, you know, then HR tended to, in some cases, start to take a little bit of a backseat or, you know, leaders didn't necessarily have the same level of requirement for HR. So I'm hopeful that organizations have realized that this is not just, you know, a, an HR only thing and that we actually are, you know, strategic business leaders outside of, you know, crisis management and managing vaccinations through a pandemic. Don't you think that's just as much, if not more on the HR person rather than the organization to, to take that initiative to say, hey, you know, I can do this. I am going to be strategic. Look what I did here. Let me solve some of these other problems. I agree with that. Don't let yourself get wrapped up, wrapped up back into like the stereotype of HR. You already proved what you can do, but yeah, now it's on you doing it. Not, just because you did it once, that doesn't mean your doors flood with uh, you know, all your leaders every week. You still have to raise your hand. I hope with that, you know, more of learn that and we'll continue to do that in our profession. No, I'm not naive to think like there's not organizations that don't think highly of HR, right? And that will fall back into that. But at the same time, I think if HR professionals step up and truly solve business problems, I would hope the business leaders would be open to it. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think that sounds nice, but there are organizations where it won't be possible. And that's just, you know, so, some organizations will struggle to understand that. And I think we'll ultimately struggle, especially in the environment we're going into now, which is we have a lot fewer people in the workforce. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the, the retention and attraction and, and hiring of people is going to be the next big hurdle uh, that we have to overcome. And if organizations aren't aware or supportive of their HR folks as strategic partners, I think they're going to struggle a lot. Or organizations who have people who do HR but won't you know, don't have that as a full-time job. If that's not a full-time focus, <laughs> they're also going to struggle. So, so I don't know. It's kind of, for me, it's kind of like the nature versus nurture argument, right? It's like, so does your company nurture you to be innovative and dynamic and strategic or does your nature enable you to do that naturally? I don't know. I don't know if that's a clear answer. I think it, it, it's variable. I think in your larger organizations, it's probably more the organization can get in the way. Um, and you're small to mid-size, I think 
individuals, leaders, HR has a lot more opportunity and persistence pays off. Like for me, coming up in small to medium sized business, there are so many opportunities like looking back and like, if I would have just said something or, hey, that was my idea, but I didn't say anything or I wasn't persistent about this, I could have made a difference. But I sat back. Interesting. Yeah, I don't know. You know, the big versus small company debate is an interesting one for me because I think there are really large organizations that are naturally innovative and naturally people focused. Uh, and then there are small and, you know, small companies that, that aren't. So I think it's really a product of culture. How much do you guys think HR actually impacts culture, like truly builds culture? To me, it depends on the organization. You said about people first. Is, is it an employee first organization or is it an organization when you walk in the door, it's defined by operations, sales, production, profitability. That's where you kind of get that sense when you walk in the door. And we are stressed. Even before pandemic, no matter the size of the organization, HR departments are the ones that are really stretched. You know, I think a rule of thumb in the world of the HR professional is one HR, full-time HR body for every 100 employees. Well, we know that's not the case. I mean, let's be realistic about that. Really, in reality, it's like one for every 200, I feel like. So it really depends what that organization looks like and how they're going to want to move forward because employees are going to want to go to the people-first organizations. So now when we're all struggling for talent, they are going to pretty much have their pick where they're going. I think, so I've been in organizations where I have learned that persistence does pay off. I mean, all those culture initiatives, it's really just about a persistence issue, but also it's impacting the leaders and how they lead their teams and the culture they're creating with their teams. I think those are the two big things that can make a difference from a culture perspective and the tone that you're setting with you as HR and with your leadership team. I think that's a big one, the tone. And I love that. Are you sitting in an office watching culture happen or are you doing something about it? Like what are you, what is your, what are you doing with your own role and your own power? Yeah, it's interesting. I think as much as we want to impact culture, it's all about hiring the right people, hiring the right leaders and letting them do what they're good at and empowering them to do that. You know, as far as communication, I think a lot of that has a heavy impact, especially if you're talking like organization-wide communication. And then I think if you look at, you know, from the things that HR can control, that's, I think, in that context a lot. So I like to think about, okay, what do I actually have control over? Do I have control over the behavior of my employees or leaders? No. <laughs> Try as you will. You, are, you do not have control over them. The best you can do is give them the training and the tools and then, and then hope that they use them right. But, you know, I do think like, so if you control compensation levels, employee um, benefits, you know, response to employee leaves of absence or bereavement situations or mental health concerns, you know, those things, every single one of those interactions is an opportunity to inform your culture. Right. And, and build culture by, by being caring and supportive and empathetic and all the things that, that we say we want. And so I think you can build culture in that way. I don't think that if anybody has a goal to try to impact behavior, the ability to actually control what somebody does is very minimal. So you know, good luck with that. I would agree with that. But I'd also push back a little bit. And I think communication clear communication, clear expectations can kind of help that. Like for the most part, it drives me nuts when a leader comes to me and says, so-and-so just won't do it. I'm asking him to do it. He just won't do it. He sucks at his job. I hate that. There are going to be some people that it's just not a right fit, right? Mm -hmm. But it's like, okay, what expectations have you set? Have you explained why you're asking them to do this? Like, have you explained the job responsibilities? Have you given them the tools to do it? And it all comes down to communication. Sure. But what are you actually controlling in that situation? You're coaching the, coaching the, coaching leader, the leader right? to how to be better, how to interact better rather than just, I'm done with this guy. Fire, let's get a new <laughs> one in here. Because we all know that's not the case, right? Okay, I'm dealing with that. That was one thing I dealt with today. As you were pulling up, I said to Kyle, no shit. I like today. I can, I can write the book. Kyle said which one? I said HR. <laughs> the, the book. book. Yeah. Change Not the job. Bible. 
but the HR <laughs> manual. So, 30-year employee has his job duties shifted a little bit, changed for the better. But if about eight months ago, but was officially given to him with expectations four weeks ago. Now we want to fire him. 30-year employee? And there's some other protected class type deals in there where he could come back to us. And I'm like, okay, you're frustrated. Have you had conversations? What have you talked about? Have you give him like weekly goals? No, I'm just I'm ready to move on. No, not going to happen. I don't feel like sitting in deposition. No, come back. Come back in six months. And just is it the right thing to do? Like, yeah. you know, as a leader and as an HR person that's helping my leaders lead people, I want to sleep good at night. And I do that if I give that associate every opportunity to to make it better. Mm-hmm. Then, then it's on them, not on me. Yeah. And there are, you know, the granted, there are the few that maybe just do need to go. But majority of the time, people just don't know the expectations. Yeah. And I think you can set those expectations as much as you want, but you still don't have control. Right. And so I struggle with HR people who try to like manhandle control of a situation and assume that their approach will get some sort of reaction or response. Ultimately, I do not believe that you can truly incentivize the behaviors you want by without understanding that you have almost no control over them. So anyways, I don't know, maybe I'm cynical, but uh, I've tried to modify behavior a lot. And I do think it's all about, I do think it's clear expectations. It's, you know, setting communication, doing the right thing as it relates to that uh, is the most important thing that you can do. But even that, you're really just controlling the communication that you're extending to a leader versus actually impacting the culture. Ultimately, the leader is the one doing all the work. We need better leaders. (laughs) I'm reflecting and it's just, they're all good. They all have good, good traits, good qualities. But when it comes to doing that work, they don't want to do it. They don't want to do it. Leaders can make or break an organization, mm-hmm. a culture, a team. I agree. And, you know, they say they want to, but they need to trickle it downhill to the front line, to those managers and supervisors that are really there with the employees all day, every day. That's what I see a lot in organizations. You say you want to do it, but how do you communicate that moving downhill? So I feel like an organizational trend has been to flatten out the hierarchy, right? Less levels. Have you guys seen that? What are you guys, you guys think that's a good strategy, a bad strategy? Apple just did it this last year, I think. I don't know if you could label it good or bad. I think it could be good or it could be bad depending upon your organizational needs. But here's a couple of risks I've seen with that because I've seen both throughout my career. Number one. More levels means less span of control for leaders. And, you know, if you look at, depending on which study you look at, but I like the one done by the military, you know, they did a deep study on span of control and basically said any more than 16 people and you have lost your effectiveness. I can tell you, I've been in organizations with somebody with over 50 direct reports in a manufacturing facility. Let me tell you how much time and attention those 50 direct reports got from that individual. Do you know who got the time and attention? The problem performers, the people who were, who were uh, you know, squeaky wheels making the noise, if so to speak. So I think that's the risk. I do think that, you know, their uh, reduction of span of control also has a ton of, of positive components, potentially, you know, you are uh, creating more, you know, open communication from senior levels of the organization to individuals kind of on the front line. You know, I think there could be some cultural wins there. So I don't think it's as simple as good or bad. It's also cheaper <laughs> for organizations, right? So, you know, and I'm not surprised. I mean, when we, we just went through COVID and we've got organizations, you know, scrounging for cash. It's not surprising that the one of the places they look is middle management. I mean, that's kind of the that is the typical pattern in, you know, the American capitalist system. So, but yeah, I don't know. So I think I'm agnostic on whether it's good or bad. I think the brunt of it falls to the people that do the work, which is really unfortunate because they don't get compensated any differently and they're losing attention from their managers and leaders. And what I see personally is now, okay, I'm reporting to now this higher level leader I'm not comfortable bringing certain thoughts to them. I'm not comfortable sharing my ideas because they're this high up leader that's 
so many pay levels ahead of me. They don't want, they don't care about my ideas. They've been there, done that, or they don't care about my personal situation for work-life balance. And, and that creates a big disconnect. And I guess that's my opinion on it. And now a word from our sponsors. When Molly, Patrick, and I started to figure out how to start our own podcast, we didn't know where to start. Thankfully, we found Buzzsprout. Buzzsprout makes it super easy for us to upload our episodes, track our listeners, and get listed on all the major podcast networks. Today's a great day to start your own podcast. I know that you're one of our listeners, so you've definitely got something to say. Whether you're looking for a new marketing channel, have a message you want to share with the world, or just think it would be fun to have your own talk show, Podcasting is an easy, inexpensive, and fun way to expand your reach online. Buzzsprout is hands down the easiest and best way to launch, promote, and track your podcast. Your show can be online and listed in all the major podcast directories within minutes of finishing your recording. Podcasting isn't that hard when you have the right partner, and the team at Buzzsprout is passionate about helping you succeed. Join over 100,000 podcasters already using Buzzsprout to get their message out to the world. And now, For listeners of Rebel HR, you can get a $20 Amazon gift card sent to you from Buzzsprout by clicking in the link in the show notes. Thanks for listening. Yeah, I think it's one of those things that that is an area where I think HR can have an impact. So, you know, I'll reflect back on that situation with the leader with 50 people. Uh, Could he be effective for all 50 people? Probably not. Was he an effective leader? Yes, very much so. And he was one of our most tenured leaders. So could he manage the complexity? Yes. Did it crash and burn? No. Was it optimal? No. (laughs) Right. But then if you back up a little bit and you're thinking about this from the standpoint of organizational development and design, okay, great. If I have a new leader and I'm bringing them in and this is their first leadership job, am I going to give them 50 people? The answer should obviously be no. Right. So I think that as you're having these questions in your head about, okay, how do I design something? You can't do it without also balancing the leadership capabilities on your team. And I'm going to, Patrick, I know what you were saying about leaders and I get it, but I am going to show a little bit of empathy for leaders. I have seen so many leaders who want to do the right thing and just struggle because they don't know how to manage their time effectively, or they were dealt a hand that really wasn't fair to them. Well, both of you came from middle management, right? Mm -hmm. Am I I right with that? And I'm knee deep into it right now. So I can relate. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's hard. Totally. Yeah. You are in the middle of all of it and you're the one that has to deal with all of it because somebody said something or an employee needs something. And all you're looking for is support and you don't have support. We have support at home. But not at work so much. And excuse my language, but you have shit coming both ways. Oh, yeah. Molly just dropped the S word. Now my nine-year-old just knows what the S word is. I tried to do it really quietly. (laughs) (laughs) He already knew. I don't know where he would have heard that word. You know, certainly wasn't dad. I bet mom was probably dropping some S-bombs. I guarantee it. Like when the kids walked in the door, you both were probably just like, oh, Never. He says it's, it was Bruno Mars, so it wasn't me. <laughs> yes. I didn't scar your child. It was Bruno Mars. Just let's ma- put that on the record. <laughs> we do love us some Bruno Mars. Uptown Funk. At one point, like two or three years ago, I don't even remember when it was, but at one point we were rocking to Uptown Funk like every night, dance parties, you know, that was just our thing. And I'm not one of those guys that listens to the lyrics. I'm a music guy. I just like the melodies and harmonies and stuff. I'm not really listening to the words. And then I like slow down and I listen to the words. I'm like, oh, I probably shouldn't play this for like my like six-year-old, seven-year-old kids. <laughs> There's a lot of songs like that. Like once you start listening, like, oh my gosh. So yeah, at an event, this is way off topic where we went, but that's okay. At an event I was at, CeeLo Green was playing, family event. It, he didn't play the edited version of the FU song. It was unedited, and the newspapers ripped him to shreds. It was in my hometown. Where was that? Because I remember hearing about that. It was, uh, I'm going to say it. It was in City. Okay. It was at Saturday in the Park. It was a wonderful event. I love that event. One of my favorites. And uh, no, Sioux City, Iowa. Great place. But yeah, it was a few years back, and it was not uh, taken well. Oh, CeeLo. <laughs> CeeLo's not welcome back. Yeah, I know that one. Anyways, what were we talking about? Span of control. Yeah. 
Rain it in. We're chasing squirrels today. But hey, guys, okay, we're on our second beer. This is the first time we've done a podcast in person. It's our 50th episode. So, you know, forget it. <laughs> you know, shout out to my CEO. I started this podcast and I, I reached out to him. I'm like, listen, man, I think I want to do this. But if you tell me no, I won't. <laughs> right? Like, you know, I mean, this is something that I would like to do. He's like, yeah, go ahead. He's like, just don't say anything crazy. <laughs> so, you know, if you would like to, uh, you know, provide feedback on whether or not Kyle has, has said anything crazy over the last year, feel free. You know, we, we love your email. I was just going to ask, how's that working out for you? You haven't gotten in trouble yet. So not, not yet. yet. Not yet. Not yet. I, think, I, I don't know. I maybe maybe he doesn't listen. I, probably not. That was going to be my question. You know, my wife doesn't listen and I get it. Her rationale is, listen. All I deal with is HR crap at work because she's a leader of people. I don't want to listen to more HR crap. And I have to listen to you <laughs> every single day. That, that's good for me. Molly, what are you insinuating with that statement? Nothing. <laughs> that's what my husband would say. Nope, I'm good. Oh, you're right. That's what my wife says. I have to hear babble every night. No, I don't need to listen to your podcast. Oh, Patrick's wife, Amanda. I just want to apologize, you know, and kind of pay it forward with the apologies. Because every time Patrick and I get together and the kids are playing and stuff, we inevitably just start talking about HR. It's just what we do. Just HR, you know, hashtag HR nerds, whatever. Sorry, all spouses of HR people everywhere. You need somebody to talk to about it. Well, a lot of times, you know, you guys can relate to this. We can't even go to our own people at work. Because we have to hide that from our own people at work. So it's like, who can we go to to vent at work? We go to our HR peers. But this last year, we haven't been able to do that and vent and, you know, get it off our chest. So I'm going to call that out right there. So you use the word hide. And I think one of the things that has been made readily apparent over the last year is that HR has a tendency to hide. And last year, we couldn't. We couldn't hide. We couldn't sit in our office. We couldn't do nothing. We had to be on the leadership calls. We had to be coaching the exec team on what to do. We had to be figuring out what the hell Dr. Fauci is saying and what's the CDC saying and what's your state saying and why is the governor disagreeing and blah, blah, blah. And we're like, we are like called upon to be visible and not hidden. And I, that goes back to what I was saying earlier in this podcast. I hope that we don't hide anymore. And I think that there's a difference between being hidden and being appropriately confidential with things, right? So I guess I'm grasping onto that one word you use, Patrick, but I hate the word hide because not only does it indicate that, you know, we should be ashamed of something that we're doing, it also indicates that we're being, you know, kind of you know, untruthful or have a lack of integrity and we have to keep things hidden, you know, and I think that's such an interesting you know, equation to get our heads around in HR is it's like, okay, how transparent are you? <laughs> how much do you share? And how much do you actually share with people at work? So scenario, I'm curious for you guys' perspective, you have somebody on your team that is smaller team, but discharged for theft. People, there's rumors going around, right? Of course there are. What would you do? I just want to make sure I understand. So you fired someone because they stole from you or from somewhere else? Or? So let's say they stole from the company and another coworker. Okay. So coworker was impacted. Obviously, it rumbled culture. They want to know. And or two scenarios. So one, they got one situation, they got fired. The other one, maybe they didn't get fired, but they definitely got disciplined because you couldn't prove it or whatever the case. Mm. Like, just how would you, because people want to know, like, did you address this? Like, this is a big deal. What happened? Like, what are your thoughts? Okay. So I don't know about thoughts, but, you know, if someone were to ask me, so, you know, going back to kind of the comment that I was making about being, you know, transparent, if someone were to ask me what happened, you know, my honest response would be, listen, I can't share that information with you. I understand there might be rumors swirling, but I really can't share that information with you. It would not be appropriate. Right. I mean, that would be my comment. And, you know, I would just kind of have to let the rumors swirl. Right. Patrick, what do you respond? I don't think you can stop the rumors. I mean, you got to keep it confidential, but you know, you can reassure them all you want, but people's beliefs are going to be their beliefs. That's all you can do is cheers to that. Keep it positive, keep it upbeat and just say it's handled. 
and we're going to move forward. You know, we're going to do our best to make sure this doesn't happen to any of you. Um, maybe here's some measures we're putting in place to ensure that it's not going to happen again. But if it does, it will be dealt with appropriately and we move on. Yeah. One thing I found about specifically in middle management and HR in general, like in the absence of information, people will make things up and it's always the worst case scenario. <laughs> it's never the best. People can never assume the best. It's always the worst case scenario. So it's, yeah, I often find myself like trying to balance transparency and okay, you got to find that boundary, right? No, I think, you know, what's so funny to me, I actually kind of love this. This is, I don't know, this is my sick humor, but I think that it is hilarious that when you come out with a policy or you communicate a change or, you know, have some sort of an organizational adjustment that's made, people assume that there is like a bunch of people in a dark room coming up with this sinister strategy on, oh, the reason you're doing this is so that you can in three years from now make this next change that just screws us over. That's why you did this. I know that for a fact. I That's why. You, and, and what's so hilarious to me is I'm sitting here like, man, I don't know what's going to happen in three years. Are you freaking kidding me? We're just trying to do the best we can with the information we got. <laughs> like, oh, I wish I knew. I wish I knew the program that would impact something. It could, yeah, we could modify a program in five years. So, you know what? Sometimes, sometimes you just get lucky and sometimes you get unlucky on, on some of this stuff. I'm sorry. But what about the response from employees? The immediate response. Oh, let's park that. Who did something wrong? Why are we having to do Oh, I love that one. The annual uh, dress code reminder. Okay. Oh, (laughs) somebody wore their flip-flops today. Oh, naughty. (laughs) Oh, yeah. And then you get a text message on Saturday. So-and-so's out of dress code. Or one of my favorites lately is I'll get a picture of somebody's shoes sent to me. Are these acceptable? Oh, oh, okay, people. Didn't we learn anything (laughs) last year? Nope. Who gives a shit? Nope. We didn't learn anything. That's the third S-bomb on this show. Patrick, you are in rare form. You were in rare form. You know what? I need to review our standards of business conduct, and we're going to see if four S-words is over the limit. (laughs) Oh, God. You know, it's so funny. It's a dress code. That's one of those things. It is just ridiculous to me. Oh, I hate it. You have to own the doll out of dress. Sarah Noel Wilson tweeted, what is the one thing coming out of the pandemic you want to see go away? I tweeted back dress codes. <laughs> I um, I don't care. I, you know, I think dress codes have their place. I think if your organization wants everybody to be on a team and the symbol for them is wearing a specific logo on your clothing or something like that, okay, cool, whatever, right? But yeah, when you're, we all worked at home and God knows how many people were even wearing pants, right? Like, I mean, I don't want to know. You know, don't put the camera any lower than your, <laughs> than your shoulders. Let's just leave it there. I'm good with that, right? <laughs> there were some, I know a couple of teachers that did this, but also some leaders that asked them to stand up to ensure that they were fully close. I'm like, that is a brave decision. You're insane. Now that's big brother. Don't do that. Nobody wants to. Nope, I'm good. I think Kyle mentioned there was one, uh, I think it was on one of the podcasts. We were talking about dress codes a few podcasts back. And somebody in his business asked him, what's our dress code on this? And he handed them a piece of paper on their letterhead that just said dress appropriately. I like that story. That's me. Yeah. Yeah. We are all grown ass. I recognize that you said that on a podcast. Adults. We can handle this. Absolutely. Absolutely. Hi, Jude. Hey, Kyle's kid's here. Yeah. Yeah. So this is what we get when we record at home. Anyways. He does look annoyed. You know, we are infringing upon his YouTube time and he has to keep his YouTube lower now. So sorry about that. But Sorry, Jude. Does he have time limits? Mm-hmm. Screen time. Oh, I did that to my kid and it's like I put her in a prison. Yeah. Good <laughs> Lord. How dare you? I, three hours a day? That's a lot. That that's a very lot. generous. That's in the summer, it's a lot. Patrick, yeah, Patrick, what do you allow? Like 10 Hour and a half. Hour and a half. Oh, such a hard ass. Yeah, Jude, it could be worse. It could be a lot worse. It could be a lot worse. Oh, yeah. No. Workbooks, reading. Yeah. Before any screen time. Oh, good stuff. Yeah. You know, this last year, I think it was one of those one of those situations where 
we kind of had we had our our moment to make an impact in in our organization and i just i want to just extend some gratitude to all the hr practitioners out there and listeners that have been with us for the last year you know it's been a tough year and our goal with this podcast and with the guests and some of the conversations we're sharing is to help educate as well as raise up you know hr practitioners that want to make a change want to make difference do things a little bit differently and hopefully our conversations have been a help uh, to each and every one of you. That is our primary goal. And, you know, the community that we built around the show and the support and the wonderful guests that we've had, it's just been absolutely wonderful. So, you know, just I want to extend my thanks to everybody listening out there and to Patrick and Molly here sitting next to me. It's been an interesting year and hopefully we can all shift to thriving in the near future. Yeah, I agree. But with that, it's also been a year of we're not all perfect. And I think we all need to extend each other and ourselves some grace. So I'm curious, what was your guys' biggest failure over this last year? Oh, here's Molly with the like real questions. No, I really want to know. Like it's been a crap year and you know, not all of us in HR did everything right. I know I didn't. Like at some point you have to learn to laugh about the mistakes that we've made, especially within the last year. and let it go and move forward. Molly would ask that question. It's a damn good question. It, 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 it is a damn good question, but it, it reminds me a little bit of the question. Like what's your biggest, you know, what's your biggest mistake? What's your biggest weakness? You know, it's like, you know, I'm too big of a perfectionist. Oh. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm too on time all the time. You know, it's, you know, I just, I care too much, you know, like all these BS questions that you get, you know, anyway, um, biggest mistake. I think for me, that's an easy one as I reflect and I, you know, I struggle with, uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a struggler of imposter syndrome at times. And I think that, you know, for me, as I reflect on last year, my biggest mistake was assuming that I communicated something appropriately, or I didn't truly seek to understand if the message landed correctly. You know, a great example of that would be early in the pandemic, rolling out, you know, COVID protocols and setting out those expectations and what we thought was clear, reviewed by an attorney, of course, and, you know, all these protocols and we roll it out and then did not circle back and then seek to understand the, the interpretation of the policy. And for me, it was a really clear example that you've got to check for understanding. You've got to, you've got to assume that somebody does not understand something especially when you're communicating something on a broad scale. So that that was a mistake for me. And I think the other, I don't know if this was a mistake, but I, I, this is a call out and this is a credit to my team. I think I assumed that my team needed me more than they did, but they absolutely did a wonderful job managing in cases where I wasn't immediately available and making some of the right decisions in a really, really tough environment. And so I think one of the mistakes that I would say I made was I didn't give my team enough credit. And it was really, really powerful to see them make really, really good and tough decisions in a really quick time frame to protect the team and to help the team out. So, you know, a couple of mistakes I'd call out. Patrick, I, hopefully I gave you enough time to think of something. Is that what you were doing there? I was, I was trying, trying to help you out. I was throwing you a bone. You're two beers deep. I'm trying to keep you going, man. You have two, so I have to come up with three. So you're on the clock, Molly. You have four. Yeah, because we're going to turn the tables. Uh, I'm just too perfect, guys. <laughs> I, just kidding. I would <laughs> love that. You know, I don't know. I haven't, I guess, really have time to had time to reflect on things like that just because you think you're always doing the best you can do. You think you're always right. That's what you were going to say. You can just say it. <laughs> think or no? <laughs> there it is. Uh, again, Amanda. I'm really sorry. I'm just going to extend condolences. I'm going to make her listen to this, by the way. <laughs> I'm giving you a lot of time, Molly, to think about. No, I, I'll, I'll give you two. I'll give you two that I guess I haven't really reflected on, but now I think about it. We were forced to react so quickly. I think a lot of times I reacted too quickly. With some, I dealt with a lot of situations. My team, my HR manager, we had a log that I think is like 20-some pages of every situation that came through our door. There were times we did just react too quickly before really just giving it some time because I felt like we were just in reaction mode. Can't talk about every scenario, but I would say there was a few of them that, okay, we should have thought thought through that one a little better. Probably the other one was 
I left my previous industry and job to come to HR for a reason so I could have some work-life balance, which doesn't always happen in HR. That is a laughable comment. (laughs) This year alone, almost every second of the day I was putting work. Okay, we're going to back that one up. We're going to back it up. What mentor in what world told you that HR was a great place for work-life balance? (laughs) I've never heard that. It was my own thoughts. It was just the guy on this floor. The guy guy who's always right. Okay. (laughs) I left a shitty industry. Okay. Man, the clock is at five. Is If you're keeping score at home and you're playing a drinking game for every time Patrick says shit, uh, you're at six. Seven, maybe? I don't know. I lost track. No, but, no, I, but I'd say, especially this year, we all just put work in front of everything else. And we didn't take time for ourselves. And we didn't force ourselves to do that. So I, I would say that would probably be one of my biggest mistakes. Yeah, mine was along similar lines of assuming I assumed people were keeping up with what was going on. So I assumed they knew why we were making the decisions that we made. And if this year taught me anything, it was that I need to slow down. I need to stop assuming people know things and just be very clear in my communication and why we are making these decisions. You know, I feel like I did a good job like Commun- over communicating that, hey, our organization was okay. Like everybody was going to have jobs. It was going to be okay. But I just, I, when we went into the fine detail, it was rough. I also made a couple like payroll mistakes. You know, my, our payroll in person reports to me and with the FFCRA, I assumed she knew a lot more than she did. Had a little mistake with her 401k. We could have a whole pod. I don't, yeah, we're going to push that out of school. Uh, I never want to think about that ever again. <laughs> ever. You know, all you had to do. You and I used the same payroll vendor and what they did, and then they switched the script on us. So for that payroll vendor, if you'd like to sponsor the show, you know, just we won't name your name. They called me today asking if I'd give um, another potential client a reference, and I I've had that conversation. But we don't want to change payrolls because it's too painful. Yes. Yes. It's painful. Yeah. No, I feel your pain. I agree. Yes. A couple like technical things I should have or tried to better understand, but nobody knew at the time. And then I didn't think to follow up. And, you know, it was they'd roll out things and then they would have no. There would be so much that was still left to be figured out. So we were all just in a million different directions. So the only reason I brought that up is we all made mistakes this past year. We all did the best we could. We all killed it, but we also have to give ourselves some grace for what we didn't do and reflect on what we learned. Cause it was, it was a lot. hundred percent, hundred percent. Yeah. You know, I think, you know, if I just reflect on, you know, lessons learned or, you know, personal growth, I think for me, it was just expanding horizons you know, being more open to feedback, being more empathetic with people who have more, maybe more fear or have different circumstances than myself. Different opinions. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think, you know, I think one of the things that I tend to struggle with at times is, you know, I like to hold differing opinions in my head. I like to be kind of moderate in that where I like to hear, you know, some of these diverse things and then try to reconcile that in my own, uh, you know, in my own thoughts. And I think that's, that's one of the things I really like about my job is the fact that I get to do that on a regular basis, right? There's never a black and white X plus Y equals Z. It's always, you know, there's always a hyperbolic curve and a derivative of X and there's a, you know, standard deviation in there somewhere. And, all the stuff that I uh, didn't do well in calculus with. But I do think that one of the biggest challenges that uh, we face, and I think one of the things that became more and more apparent to me was that a lot of people think in the term of black and white, which I think is a really big risk to any organization. If you get people who are too dogmatic about a certain thing, it's not healthy, right? And so, you know, I think about, you know, whether it's masks or vaccines or, Fauci or Trump or Biden, you know, there was so much like just natural conflict from outside of the workplace that filtered in. And, you know, trying to navigate that for me, it's kind of 
it's kind of interesting <laughs> and intriguing. Like I, I find it a, an interesting challenge, but it's really stressful. And for somebody like myself who tends to internalize other people's emotions, it can be very, very draining. So how did you guys deal with, you know, kind of that conflict that was ever present all year? Very exhausting. Tensions were high all the time. Yeah. Yes. Anxiety and tension. It was, yeah, those are the two best words I could say about pretty much walking in the door every day and opening your laptop at 11 o'clock at night. It's what's now. What's next? What's next? Yeah, I tried to kind of go back to my apparently concept of the show, but give people grace. And then I made it very clear of what I expected from my team was the exact same. You have to give grace. You can disagree and we will disagree, mm-hmm. but we're going to do it respectfully. Anything else I will not tolerate. You know, talking about my biggest mistake was being unclear. I made sure damn well I was very clear <laughs> on that topic. Uh-oh, Molly dropped a D word. I was, There's yeah, we, we weren't going to be dealing with any of that. We are going to be respectful, you know, and, and part of that is when we talk about diversity and inclusion, that's not just skin color. It's not just sex. That is differing of opinions. So that was kind of how I laid that, that groundwork. Patrick? I already answered. That wasn't an wasn't answer. Enough. That wasn't an answer? No. Come on, man. Give us some more. Give us some more. Give us some Patrickisms. come on we got listeners with drink in hand waiting for another s word what i talk about in takeaway is people really show their true colors Hmm. and that was interesting to me just you thought you knew somebody but then they're just completely not the person you thought they were the ones that were more hypersensitive than you would ever expect them to be people that were close to me that were that way that i was like i okay no that's all cool it's Everybody had their own opinions. You got to respect that. And that's fine. But at the end of the day, we were making decisions for the business to keep the business operational. That's where my mind was 24-7. As much as I tried to show empathy, I don't do it as well as you do, Kyle, or probably you, Molly, but every decision I made was all about the business operation. Patrick, you wear your heart on your sleeve. What are you talking about? They can't see that we're on a podcast. See, that was probably... I had a hard time balancing that, like, okay, the business and the people, but you can do both. And part of that is like communication. Like you guys, I need to make sure, especially where we were a smaller business, I need to make sure that you have a job to return to, you know, and even if you communicated a frame it like that, it's very helpful. Yeah, it was tough. It, it was tough. That balance between, it was so tough. You can't just. Where, where I struggled with that one was we did everything we could, even sacrifice profitability to keep people employed. We didn't do the layoffs or anything like that. But it's so hard to try and convey that without disclosing like confidential information. We have a list of 20 things we can do. Layoff was the last thing. It's like, but you can't, we have levers we can pull, but you can't tell them which ones. And it's like, just be happy you're painting the wall today and you're doing something that adds value to the business. It was hard to try to explain why they were doing that because our business did climb. Healthcare closed. I'm in a healthcare organization. You know, I service healthcare. Well, when the doctor's office is all closed, well, shit, we're not producing. Yeah. Yeah, it's tough. Yeah. And it's, I think that's, you just hit on one of the toughest part of being HR is do you support the business or do you support the people? And I think that you have to be able to do both. And again, for me, it's, it goes back to that equation, right? It's not, there's no black and white. Like I'm not here to work for the, you know, the business. I'm not here to be an only an advocate for the people. I'm here to try to find the common ground, right? To be that moderator in the middle, asking the right questions to the right people at the right time to try to derive the best solution given what we know right now. Right. And that for me, that's the secret sauce. That's the, those are the HR people that really make a difference and can drive the change that we all need. And they have the ability to do that. And that doesn't mean that that person is a CHRO or VP of whatever, you know, that could be an entry level HR associate who just asks the right question of their leader to make sure that that leader makes a better decision tomorrow. Right? Oh yeah. My HR associate, um, 
and payroll associate, she makes probably the biggest impact in our organization just by show, like going above and beyond to show people appreciation. But then just to add to that, one thing I learned this year is I love the strategy portion, right? I love that. I put so much energy into strategizing. Let's make this decision. I did not put enough energy into the executing piece and the communication piece and the rollout. And I think if you do that effectively, you can make any, most any, not all, most any business decision sound like it's also going to impact your people well. You know what I mean? If you do it effectively, it can be that balance of of both. That's one of my lessons learned. Yeah. Everybody screwed something up last year. I mean, (laughs) I'm sorry. Nobody handled it perfectly at all. And, you know, I think that's a great message for anybody listening. You know, give yourself some grace. We all did our best. We all made screw ups. And, you know, I think that that we can all, you know, kind of walk away from this year with a couple of things in mind. First of all, thank God it's over. (laughs) What is it? Well, last year's over. 2020 is over. Technically, yeah, there's no argument there. I'm just glad 2020 is over. Now, is COVID over? Okay, that's another question. So before you try to like Jedi mind trick me, Patrick, and then say that's bullshit and whatever. Oh, now I said an S word. Drink. All right. Molly. Cheers. Cheers. <laughs> I don't know. I think that last year was hard. Many of us are here. Unfortunately, many of us are not. And, you know, at the end of the day, it is really about people. It's about taking care of others and, you know, trying to balance employees and companies' solvency and trying to find a common ground in the middle. So a lot of us have moved mountains. Um, A lot of us have mountains still to move. So, you know, we're all in this together. True that. Yep. Still digging out of the hole. We're getting there. You can do your flash round. You want to do a flash round? Uh, I'll do a flash round. round. All right. Okay. Rebel HR flash round. So three questions real quick, uh, quick fire to... uh, We'll do three of them. So this will be different. Okay, Molly, ready for your flash round. Here we go. Question number one, what is your favorite people book? People book? Um, right now I'm reading Lean In, Women, Work, and the Will to Lead. Mm-hmm. Learning, I'm learning a lot that you guys can't relate to. <laughs> I love it. Fair. Okay, question number two, who should we be listening to? Okay, so I just started listening to the podcast Life is Short with Justin Long. So far, I've been pretty happy with that. Justin Long, you know, he is a, an actor of our time. Yeah. And perhaps, you know, his greatest work was accepted where the university was S-H-I-T. Shit, drink one more. Oh, I love oh, it. Oh, that brought I it full it. circle. I I like that, guys. I'm playing that. That, that was good. <laughs> Last question. How can our listeners connect with you? LinkedIn is the easiest. Molly Burdess. Molly Burdess. All right. Perfect. We'll have the information in the show notes, of course. (laughs) All right, Patrick, you ready? Sure. Coming at you hot. Here we go. What is your favorite people book? I always revert back to The Ideal Team Player by Patrick Lecioni. Love that guy. Love his stuff. You know, I've never read that book. It's on my nightstand. I haven't read it. I make all of my uh, supervisors and managers read it. Anybody that's involved in hiring, you're going to read that book sure. if you work in my organization. Love it. All right. All right. Like it. All right. Question number two, who should we be listening to? I'm going to steal a few that I've heard in other podcasts, but I'd say them anyway. Number one, this podcast. Number two, your employees. Number three, you two. You two, the band? You two, the band. Okay. Wow. <laughs> okay, I got it. This is Molly, not Kyle. Yeah. <laughs> you too. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Oh my God. I have, a, I have a story. You guys were ready for an embarrassing story. So on YouTube. So I was at a volunteer event a number of years ago called Chicago Cares. If anybody in Chicago is listening, I'm sure you're fully aware. Great event. Went and cleaned up a house and helped clean up a daycare. And it was just absolutely phenomenal. And I'm sitting there with my HR business partner, who's like this like group leader. He's like a big deal. He's like Mr. Bigwig at corporate talent acquisition for Target Corp now. 
and uh, Beautiful Day comes on by U2. And I'm like, oh, man, I love U2. And he looks at me and he's like, what the hell did you just say? <laughs> I'm like, U2 the band, U2 the band. So I still, this still seared my memory. I'm like, ah, I just told this guy that I love him like weirdly, but he's a great guy. I mean, I, I love him as a mentor, but you know, not in any other way. <laughs> All right. So are you guys asking me or am I asking me? Well, I don't know. Well, what I'm asking you. Okay. Do you, Wait, you, have, you guys no, don't I don't have the question. Yeah, that's fair. I, I ask him. I'll ask him. Okay. Patrick's asking. All right. Kyle, what is your favorite people book or favorite book you've read recently? Ooh, favorite book. Well, I'm a very boring individual. One of the favorite books that I've read recently is Richer, Wiser, Happier. It goes into the essentially the biography of investors. And the context that I read that book in is how do they approach the world and how do they manage things like risk and, and reward and, and so on. But one of my favorite people books actually was the Alexander Hamilton biography that the play is based on so i'm a kind of a musical nerd so we, we got big into hamilton and you know i could probably recite most of them i will not do that for our listeners i will spare you all and plus we don't have the trademark for the <laughs> music and i don't want to pay royalties but the book itself is an in really really interesting study of somebody who came from absolutely nothing built themselves up into something of a completely above their like their standing and then it completely came crashing down because of their ego and so it's a really interesting case study in like in for me like human behavior and the power of, of the will and the power of the will to sabotage you as well going back to your first book i think i love that you're reading something different that's not a people book or hr related you guys want to talk, yeah to, to, to get really in the heads of business leaders for those people on this call that are HR people, read other books, learn what they're thinking. If you want to learn what your sales managers are thinking or your sales reps are thinking, read Jeb Blunt, Fanatical Prospecting. Take some time for yourself, invest in yourself, read those types of books so you can really understand the business. Or if you're hiring those people. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. What makes them tick? Yes. That's read those books. Yeah, you got to speak the language. But, you know, some of my favorite books that I read this last year, I, I'm an, all I do is read self-help books. I'm like a total nerd like that. I don't like novels. <laughs> it's just like, I don't know. I used to read Star Wars when I was a kid, but I don't read that anymore. Again, nerd. So, but a lot of the books I've been like really studying have been investing because when I started this year and then we hit kind of the business continuity issues and the risk to the business and what do we need to do in the business to for business survivability, I realized I need to build up more financial acumen. I need to understand that language. I need to be able to speak that language. And in order to be an effective HR practitioner, that language needs to become second nature. So I read almost every finance and investment book I could get my hands on so I could speak that language. It's really interesting you said that because I have had like a significant number of people that have left our organization this past year to do individual investing. Like personal yeah, yeah. investing. Really? It's been crazy. I've never seen anything like it. It's yeah. been a good year for them. It's, it's been good. good. Get educated because it's not going to be this good forever. It doesn't always go up. All right, Kyle, who should we be listening to? Who should we be listening to? Um, That's a really tough question for me. I think that you have to listen to your inner voice and the people that love you the most. And if you do those two things, everything else you do in life, hopefully, <laughs> will we'll be all right. That's deep. I agree with the inner voice, though. That's good. All right, where can we find you? All over the place. www.rebelhumanresources.com uh, www.kyleroad.com K-Y-L-E-R-O-E-D.com LinkedIn. It's just a weird spelling. Just remember, it's R-O-E-D, Rowed, not Rowad. <laughs> so, yeah, happy to connect. And, you know, I think one of the things that I will say is that probably my favorite thing of this entire podcast is the community that we've built around it and the number of connections that I've made this year simply because of the podcast that I never would have made before. It's been a wonderful journey. So thank you, everybody. Thank you, Patrick and Molly. It's been a great ride. Can't wait to do another 50. Thank you, Kyle. Thank you, Kyle. You got to keep this going. Rebel on.
All right, that does it for the Rebel HR Podcast. Big thank you to our guests. Follow us on Facebook at Rebel HR Podcast, Twitter at Rebel HR Guy, or see our website at rebelhumanresources.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rebel HR Podcast are those of the authors and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of any of the organizations that we represent. No animals were harmed during the filming of this podcast. Baby.